who becomes a mother. A woman who becomes a mother. It's something to understand what is in a woman before she ever becomes a mother. And we need to know that a mother was a woman before she ever became a what? A mother. And those qualities that somehow she builds in herself before she ever has a family, before she ever says to a man that, yes, I'll be your wife, those qualities have to be there. And God wants them to be there because that's part of her makeup of what she is that will be poured into her children. What is in the woman is also poured into the children. The scripture may say that the father is the head of the home, but the real teacher is the mother. She's the one who spends all that nurturing time more so than the father in raising the children. And that's important to recognize because the heart of the mother is seen in the life of the children. The heart of the mother, what the mother really cares for, the real interest of the mother somehow gets poured into the hearts of the children. And what she has given and developed in her family is revealed in the life of her family or her children. All her hard work, all her sacrificing, all her wisdom and time put in with her children is eventually seen by others. By others. Now, one of the things that's important to recognize, which sometimes we don't give much credence to, because we just think, boy, two people lie down and pop goes the weasel and out comes the child. No. We forget something. Turn with me to Psalms 127. Why don't you look at verse 3 with me? Because it's so important to gather this and to grasp it and understand it and believe it. Because we take it by, we take it for granted. It says here in verse 3 Sons are a heritage for the Lord, from the Lord. Children, are the heritage from the Lord. Now listen, children, a reward from him. Children, a reward from him. Women have to understand this. 
you are a vessel in which God has created that will carry something for him for nine months and then life comes forth and that you have been the incubator you have been that one who has carried that child but the child really belongs to the Lord the child really belongs to the Lord how do I know that go to Psalms 139 because now God explains something that you can't do You're the woman who he's chosen to bear a child. And all life flows from God. Never forget that. All life flows from God. As Job said, he giveth and he's the only one who can take it. And we need to remember that. Go to verse 13. Now, ladies, many of you who have born children... Boy, you carried, but ask yourself if you did what scripture here says. For you created my innermost being. You knitted me together in my mother's what? Who's doing the work while you are doing the carrying? God is fashioning a child in the womb that the woman is carrying. And it is God's child. So the woman is being the one who is used as the instrument to bring that child forth. And just like in the animal world, isn't it strange? After so long, and and, and this I praise God for, you can give it away to somebody named Mark and they take on the full responsibility and relieve you of all your heartaches and pains. Because eventually the children do what? They leave. But they're still under the watchful eye of God because they are really his children. They are his children. Yes, mom, you are an important vessel. You are an important instrument in God's way of bringing life into this world. But you are not the main person. But you are a vital instrument used by God. And that's the part we have to understand. And he says... For you created me, you created my innermost beings, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now, a woman possesses certain strength. And these are the characters that I was asked that you would really ponder and work on. Go to Proverbs 31. I'm not going to read the whole proverb, and I know a lot of times that's the prodigal woman boy and who can uh, match her? Who can live up to her expectation? But I want you to pull some nuggets out here in 31 because what I want you to see is something that is hers. 
that belongs to her. And, and it's important to catch this in Proverbs 31, verses 25 and 26. Now, one of the fallacies of today is that a woman needs a man. No. No. You need the Lord. And that goes even for a man. A man doesn't need a woman. He needs the Lord. And when that relationship is really developed and right, then the other two things take place. The man finds the woman and the woman. And that's why scripture says, boy, it's a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. And the whole process here is what her strength is before she ever gets married. I want you to look because this has to be within the mother. If you miss it in that growing up stage of becoming a woman, it's never too late to build on what God wants you to build on. It's never too late to make corrections in my life. There's, we're never too late to overcome things in life. As long as we're breathing, we have the possibility of being transformed by God. And he says this then. She is clothed with strength. She is clothed with strength. Strength. A woman is strong. Most men can't bear what a woman bears. Most men cannot endure the pain that a woman can pain, that she goes through. Most men won't recognize, we'll break down crying and everything else. And a woman, boy, she's totally different because God has made her body that way. And she's strong. Now, the strength here is not as we think as flexing one's muscle and so forth. The strength here is that woman is secure in herself. Why? God created each one of us as individual, independent of the other, but yet dependent on God. Will you follow me there? She's created independent of the man, yet dependent upon God. And she is secure, not because of herself, but because of her relationship with God, there is a security that man cannot give. And that's her strength. Her security in herself and her relationship with her God is her strength. And it says, boy, she is clothed in strength. And then there's this second word here. Dignity. Dignity. Or the word honor. Elaine is not so much honored because she is Miss Brown or takes on my last name, but that's in and of herself before she ever married me. That she had self-dignity, self-pride. 
She had her own strengths. She had her own honor, her own self-respect. All that has to be in place in the woman before she becomes a wife and a mother. Why? All that's going to be poured into her children that is there. And she also has wisdom. Wisdom. And the wisdom there, good sense. Good sense. She's skillful in the things that she do. That's why we see the prodigal woman is in business and all the things she's doing. She's very skillful. Never think that a woman cannot make it without you if you're married to her. Elaine could do very well without me. That I know. Uh, Faith could do very well without Mark. Most women can do very well without their husband. Last night while we was on the bus up in Cleveland, one of the ladies was telling me, I used to manage all this, all these apartments. She didn't know she was going to use, but the Lord did. She managed all this. We went on down the street. Some credit you. I managed that. Then we went somewhere else. I managed this. She didn't need Charles. Now she managing him. <laughs> but, but the whole point is this here. She's skillful. She's not weak. She's not weak-minded. She's a skillful individual. Again, is something that she nurtures as a woman that is used in the area of a wife and a mother. Those skills that she owns and she builds. And that whole thing of wisdom, that she has good sense. That's why she's a good counselor to her husband. Now, a lot of women get that mixed up. Because you're a counselor does not mean you're the one who directs. You counsel. You give good advice, leave it alone, walk away. The hard time that women have is this, walking away once they give the counsel. Mine don't give counsel, she gives directions. But her meaning is good. Why? She loves me. She loves her children. And even her grandchildren will tell you. Grandma don't counsel you. She directs you. you know. Now there's a, hang on to that, because that's important. But we're going to look at it in the scripture. That is something given by also God. The ability to direct. Now, those things, that strength, that dignity, that wisdom, look up in that verse 26 and 31. She speaks with what? Wisdom. She speaks with skillfulness. She can speak about the ethical things, the spiritual things, the things of government power. She can speak. She speaks with wisdom and faithful what? Instructions is on her tongue. 
is there. And that's what should be in the mother, in the woman, in the mother, in the wife. Now, go with me to 1 Samuel. I'll see if we can see a little bit of this. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I'm not going to be able to read the whole story, but I do want to get to that area where we have Hannah. She's without child. The other wife of Elkanah, she's having children. Hannah's not having children. And she wants a child. Now, she does something. She prays. And God gives her a child. He answers that prayer. But I want you to look at her action. But I want you to see also her husband's action in this. Again, not going to have time to read the whole story, but you can read chapter 1 on your own. Uh, when we get into, look at uh, verse 21st. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. I asked the Lord for him. When the man, Elkanah, went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord, and to fulfill his vow. Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, and the boy, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. 23. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband, told her. Look at the trust that her husband place in her. Where the whole family had went up to make the sacrifice. She says with this child that was very young I won't go until he's weaned and I will present him to the Lord. But the husband says now you do what you think is best. That's a lot of trust. That was not using authority or the boss or the submissive thing. He gives her the freedom to be the mother over her children, over her child. And he takes her advice, leaves her at home, and he takes off. Now, she made this statement. Now, hear this, moms, because if you have not done it, I would encourage you to do it. She says, I will present him to the Lord. After the boy is weaned, in verse 22, after the boy is weaned, I will take him. I will take him. The child can't go on his own. I will take him and present him before the Lord. And he will live there always. 
Now that's what happens in Samuel's life. That he is presented to the Lord and he is left there with Eli, but she would always take him new clothes that she had made and so forth to him. So it was not a total disconnect. But she presented him to the Lord. She took him. But in doing so, you can't take somebody and present somebody if you don't know somebody. You have to know and trust the God in whom you are entrusting your child to. And she takes that step that she's going to present her child to the God who answered her prayers in giving her this child. Now she gives that child back to God. And she leaves him there because she says... He will always be in his presence. Now, that's where our children should be. Whether we leave them at the church or at the altar, wherever we leave them, we should desire that our children are always, what? In the presence of God. See, that's a mother's work now. To really, in prayer and in presenting that child constantly, where? In the presence of God. And sometimes the child doesn't want to be in the present. Isn't that something? You got to drag children to church. Well, we got to drag everybody to church today, almost. But it's 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 amazing. If it few churches would be in existence because the church is basically made up of what women and children. Men have been lost in that area almost. There's a few of us. But it's not what it should be. But that mother, I want you to really take note of, she presents. Now, I ask you to do something. What can I ask you to do? That you present your child. When that child is born, Nothing prevents you from putting your hands on that child and praying God's blessing on that child right then. Nothing stops you as that child grows to lay your hands on that child and continue to pray for that child that they would be in the presence of God and that God would watch over them and that God would cause them to be successful. And that God would reveal his plan, not your plan, his plan to that child. And that you do that. You do that. But the only way you can do that with full confidence that God is answering is based on your life also with the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, it's hard to trust somebody that you're giving somebody that you don't even trust. And understand this, children pick that up real quickly, if you really trust the Lord or not. And Hannah has five other children after this. She was barren before. The other wife had children. Hannah didn't have any children. She prays and asks the Lord for a child. 
which is given Samuel. And then after Samuel, God blesses her with five more. So she has six children in all. And I will assume that she presented each child to the Lord. Even though each child did not stay at the temple, the presentation was made as a mother to God. And some may say, well, my child don't, I can't get my child to stand still a moment. They won't accept it. Nobody said that you can't pray for your child. How many of you pray for your children? Rule number one, never give up on your children. Never give up. Why? You have a God that does the impossible. You have the God that nothing's too hard for. You have a God that does have a plan for that child. And your prayer should be, Lord, give me life long enough to see your hand working in the life of my child. That you can live to see that day in which God is working in your child. And there she is. She says, I will present him to the Lord. Go to Proverbs 127. Uh Uh-uh. Proverbs, is it Proverbs 27? Uh, Go to Psalms 127. Is it Psalms 127? I think I got the wrong thing down. Psalms 127. Yeah. Psalms 127. How many ever shot a bow? See, when I was in Boy Scouts long, 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 long time ago at Second Baptist, we go to Boy Scout camp, and one of the things we had was being able to learn how to shoot a bow and an arrow. Now, a good bow can be hard to pull back on for that arrow to take flight. If you're not holding that just right, when that arrow comes through, oh boy, it kind of stings this finger here when you let go if you're not holding right. But the thing about the arrow is this. Wherever you point the arrow, that's where it's going. So the Lord uses this illustration for moms. In this simple little thing in verse 4 of Psalms 127. I think I put Proverbs down here, but it's Psalms. Psalms 127, verse 4. Like arrows. Who's like arrows? The children. Why? They're in that young age when you can mold, you can shape. And you know something? When children are young, they'll almost believe anything you say. He said, they're like arrows. You have to point them towards the goals. You have to show them the goals. You have to show them their possibilities. And that's what mom does. She shows those kids what their possibilities are. She's that encourager for them. These are your goals you want to achieve. 
and they point them towards it. And it says, boy, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Who's the warrior? Mom, why? She's fighting. Fighting for what? Her child. You ever see a female bear fight a male bear? Or nature stories? When they come to them cubs, they're very, very protective. When you watch the lioness, how she protects the cubs and so forth. And even to the gorillas, how the female gorilla will protect that child. She's a warrior. She's a protector. And that child is in your hands. And your job as mom is to take that bow, pull it back. The child may not like it. The child may not want to take flight, but eventually you let it go. But where you aim it at is where that child will land. If you aim high, the child will go high. If you aim low, the child will fly low. It's where you point your arrow, where you let it loose at, is what the child will achieve. You're the one who sets the height in a sense, for your child. Just like you do the arrow. When that arrow takes flight, it's going towards that goal or that target that the one has hold of it puts it to flight. And at some point in life, you will put your children to flight. And while they're in the air on their own, you have no more what? Control. You don't know how the wind is going to take it. You don't know what effects are going to take place to hit its target. But you know that you aimed them in the right direction. And you have equipped them to take flight. And that's the job of the mother. To prepare their children to take flight. And the scriptures just uses that arrow as an illustration. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. And it happens in one's time of youth that they take flight. Let's go look at one more mother very quickly here before we call the child up. And the mother up. In Luke chapter 2, we have Mary. Mary a little different than Hannah. Mary didn't pray for the child, but yet God gave her a child. You know who this child is, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Mary took him one day to present him at the temple. And this is where we get the area of dedication. That we dedicate children. Jesus had his purpose for which he was born. And he knew that purpose. And Mary... And Joseph are just doing, in a sense, what they have been taught by the law of Moses. 
Circumcision was also a way of dedicating a child. It identified the child. If you check history, other groups were also doing dedication or doing circumcision, but not with the purpose of dedicating a child to the Lord or to identify that child as part of the clan of Israel who served the Lord. Dedication is a thing that says, I want my child to grow up with an attitude of serving God. Dedication is a thing that says, I want to see my child in love, in a relationship with the living God. When you dedicate your child, you're not just dedicating the child. You have to be willing to dedicate yourself. Because who's going to do the training? Who's going to do the teaching? Who's going to be the example? Who's going to give the input? When we dedicate a child, the parents have to be willing also, in a sense, dedicate themselves to what they want to see the child become. Picking up in verse 21. On the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord took the child to Jerusalem. They're living in Judea. And they're going to take their child to the temple, to Jerusalem, to be dedicated to the Lord. To present him to the Lord. Now that's something they wanted for their child. Every mother, every father should want their child to be dedicated to the Lord and in the things of the Lord. But you're the one who has to start it because the child doesn't know it. And that's part of what the church is missing today. Is that we teach parents to dedicate their children. We dedicate our children to sports. We dedicate our children to be a successful this, a successful that, a successful lawyer, doctor, uh, whatever we think. We dedicate them towards that, and we kind of push them towards that. How many of us are pushing our children towards the Lord? And there is the success of life in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. And, and it simply says that they bought him. But I want you to see, Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. We don't bring the sacrifice because the living sacrifice has already been made in Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ took away all of the Old Testament sacrifices. But there are no more sacrifices we have to make. But there are things that we still do. Because of who we are as a people, we should still, because we're born again, we're saints of God, and we are blessed to bear his children and to raise his children, that we want to recognize, and what we say also in the dedication is this, this is not my child, this is your child. And I'm giving your child back to you that your child might be raised according to your plans of what you want in that child's life. Jeremiah 29, 11 has to be wrong if God doesn't have a plan. But it tells us that God has a plan for every one of our lives. And 128 and also tells us God has a plan for us. And that we want to work that work that he wants in our life. Would you bring the child? And mom, would would you come? Melvin, would you come? I wish I had a pacifier. <laughs> See, my mama over there right now, she won't let me have one of those. No. And you got your own cup. And she takes my cups and throw them in the trash. You know that? Are you willing to live that godly life as an example for him? Because what you live is what you're going to pour into him. He will see everything you do. And in life, oftentimes children won't say, Mom, Dad, why are you doing this? Why are you acting this way? Uh, What's going on in your life? They won't verbalize that. But up here, they're asking themselves all those questions. Why is my mom doing this? Why is my dad doing this? Why are we living this way? Why is it? And they ask things up here that they can't answer. But if you live as God has ordained a godly woman to live, God somehow answers those questions right up in here. And he'll see it. And as he learns scripture, he'll, he'll be able to say, Boy, that's my mom. That's my dad. Hey, that's my family. We live this way. Why? Because the word of God says so. The world says this is how you should live. God says this is how you live. The world never talks about dedicating a child. Although we have these things today that uh, the, the path of right, right, right path or something they call it, uh, you go through some kind of path there you go. See, I know I called you up here for a reason. See? And we got all these passages that we send our kids through. But then we miss this passage of God. God's plan 
for him. And he'll believe God has a plan for him if he sees God working out his plan in you. So we're not only dedicating him, we're dedicating you. That you will be the instrument that God uses as mom to pour into him. Give me your name again. It's bad. Master. Well, master, you're going to meet a master. And his name is Jesus. And we're going to pray for you. Melvin, I'm going to ask that you pray for mom. And I'm going to pray for the master. 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 Can I take this? Thank you. Can I have it? <laughs> okay, you, you head back. Well, we pray right now for Mariah. We pray for the Lord that you just touch her right now. And Amen. Now, Lord, we lay hands on Master. He's had COVID four or five times. His immune system is weak. But we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by whose stripes we are healed, that, Lord, you would touch this young man, and there will never be another case of COVID in his life, that you would renew his immune system, that, Lord, you would give him good health. And, Lord, we pray, as young as he is, that your Holy Spirit will commune with him, that he might know of the Lord before his age of knowledge would really kick in, that he would know the Lord Jesus Christ that heals him, that keeps him, that is enabling him. 
And Lord, we dedicate him. We put him, Lord, into your hands. Mom has said that she wants him to live a godly life, to grow up to be a godly young man, to be a young man who walks in your ways, a young man that has knowledge of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as master's name is master, would you show him the true master? Would you master his life? And would you give him the skills and the abilities to master everything that he goes after? Lord, we commit him into your hands, into your keeping. Mariah and Master are in your hands now. Lord, do not uh, allow a day to go by where you do not in some way speak to Mariah and Master. Let not a moment go by. We ask that, Lord, you will convict every thought. You will bring it into captivity under the control of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, you will glorify yourself through this family, through these two individuals. We ask, Lord, that you do it for your glory and for your namesake. And we believe it, Lord, because just like Hannah said, She asked you and you gave. We're asking, expecting you to give. And we'll give you praise and give you all the glory. And Lord, hope is also in here. Touch hope's life. Draw hope closer to you. Allow hope to know she will also be an example to her little brother. Strengthen her, Lord. And Lord, Put your arms around this family. Encamp your angels around them. Give them, Lord, a heart for you, a desire for you, to run after you, to love you. Lord, we can't ask enough for whatever you need to do in this family to draw them closer to thee. Would you do it in Jesus' name? All right, Matthew, you can take off running now. All right. Amen. And see, we need to see more of this. Because until we learn, our children belong to who? To God. Now, it's nice. I can have a faithful daughter, daughters, son. That's nice. But they're not mine. They're his. They're his. And what you want to see is God work in their life. You want to see God move in their life. And he'll do it. If you allow it. Amen. Well, I want to thank you. And Mariah, now, we're going to watch you. Okay? And uh, Mel and I are going to watch. Lynn's going to watch. Lane's going to watch. Surprise going to watch. See? Sister Ann's going to watch. You got a lot of eyes on you. Give us the permission to help guide. 
because there's a lot of young mothers out here who also need what? Guidance. A lot of the scripture says in Peter that the older women do what? Teach the younger women. And there's a reason for that. We pass knowledge downward. You don't gain it just because you become 21, 18. You, are, you got all knowledge. Somebody has to pour into your life. Elaine, you have an announcement. See, and I didn't forget. And we can say in a way the Lord did that for a purpose, show you how to nurture a plant like you would nurture a child. Amen. (laughs) Yes. Anything else? That's it. Okay. How we doing, Dick? That was a thumbs down last night. My opinion, too. But there's always something we can learn out of something. Amen. Amen. Where's our young guys at? Okay. Well, I'm going to pray and I'm going to let you close this out. So we can go out on a high note.